when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. What is going on, guys? And welcome back to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is Colby Patnode, and I'm joined, as always, by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, uh, how are you feeling today? You know, we got a couple uh, couple pretty cool prospects coming up. Uh, should be fun. Well, J.P. Crawford technically isn't a prospect, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, so, yeah, that's always, that's always fun when that happens. So I'm really excited to talk about that and get into everything with the, uh, with the upcoming series. Right. But before we do, we do have to take a minute to... Uh, Briefly recap uh, what just happened since we last talked, um, and that is that the Mariners did manage to find a way to win uh, one of their four games in New York, uh, and had had an opportunity to win the the second one. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think probably the biggest uh, newsworthy item is uh, Yusei Kikuchi went back out after his dominant performance against Cleveland. Dominated the New York Yankees. So, um, Ty, what did you uh, what did you think of Yusei's second uh, consecutive, you know, dominant outing? Yeah, I mean the uh, the abbreviated start against Texas really helped, huh? I mean, like, dude's been uh, been unstoppable since then. Uh, you know, it's just everything's working for him now. He 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 looks really comfortable. He looks confident. Um, that's huge. Uh, for him um you know that's kind of what you and i have been waiting for Mm -hmm. and um you know we we knew that there were going to be these starts this year where he does look ace like and that there were going to be starts where he just struggles and i'm sure there will still be struggles on the horizon for him this year but you know for the most part he's 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 showing a lot of a lot of cool stuff um and obviously, you know, we got the we got the pine tar situation and all that, and that's whatever, you know, is uh, the reason why it's getting blown out, out of proportion is because it's, you know, it happened in New York. And so uh, and Yankee fans want, you know, everyone to hear their fans think they're special. Yeah, every yeah, they they you know, they think that everyone wants to hear what they Yeah, you know, I mean, did you look at Ryan Divish's uh Divish's tweet about what uh, D said yesterday about J uh J Hap? Yeah. And like there was like 36 responses from Yankee fans. Or something it was just insane. And uh yeah, whatever. <laughs> but uh but yeah, the you know, the pine tar situation who cares? Um most pitchers do it now. It's it's a rule, you know, it's an official rule in baseball, but they don't enforce it. So whatever, you know, it's, it's not a huge deal. Um, not to say that I'm necessarily for it, but yeah. Um, anyway, uh, back to just how Kikuchi looked, you know, top to bottom, he, he's, he's making his pitches, pitches work. He's getting out in front and counts. Now he's not struggling as much with his command. He trusts, uh, his stuff a lot more. I'm not sure if the conversations with Trevor Bauer has helped that. Um, you know, they've they've done that a couple times when they when they face the Indians and everything. Um, but he does appear more comfortable ever since that that Cleveland series back in Seattle. He just looks a lot more uh, trusting and and just his stuff overall. And uh, it's really it's really nice to see, and it makes me very hopeful for his future because. Um, if he can do this on a consistent basis, that's a num- that's a, an above average number two starter for you. If he can do that, right? Um, kind of saw something different from this start against the Yankees than we did against Cleveland. Um, in Cleveland, he really relied heavily on the curveball and the yeah. fastball, and uh, the fastball was 95, 96, he even hit 97 at one point. And he was at by the seventh inning. He was just blowing guys away with his fastball. Um, he was still hitting ninety six in that inning. Um, he just he was dominant. Uh, the, it, 
Cleveland didn't really have much of a chance. Um, so, and the curveball was nasty as well. In this particular start, he didn't really miss too many bats. Um, and he actually used his curveball as much as he used his slider. Uh, he wasn't hitting 97, but he was throwing 93, um, you know, 92, 93. And he was throwing the curveball and the slider at almost the exact same rate. Um, the curveball was being used to throw over uh, kind of a get-me-over type of strike. Um, and the slider was used to put guys away. He only had three strikeouts in this start, I think. Um, but the stuff was still really good. Uh, and like you said, it's he had three pitches working. And you see how difficult he can be with three pitches working. He had a no-hitter through, what, five and two-third? Yeah. Uh, first hit he gave up is a little fluky little bloop single um so yeah he looked really good it's the really the third start in a row if you count that little one inning um that one inning action it's been two earned runs over his last 15 innings um and all of a sudden you look at his numbers and he's got a a 3.54 era and a 1.06 whip um so you know he's uh He's really starting to turn things around. Um, not that he was bad to begin with, but uh, yeah. you're, just, you're just kind of starting to see what the Mariners were so excited about. Yeah, it was you know, and it was really nice to see him work his slider in there as well. Uh, more in this start, uh, got a couple swinging strikes on that. Um, you know, like you said, the velocity wasn't um, as high. Uh, with the with the fastball on the start, but it was efficient for him. Um, and it's you know if he's got three pitches working, you know, and he and he has you know and, and he can throw his change up every now and then. That's that's really that's really something. Yeah, um, I still think eventually you're going to want to see the change up more. Um, it's it's just an extra weapon for him to have right now. He's only throwing the changeup on three and a half percent of his pitches. Um, yeah, I think I think he threw eight on uh, uh, Wednesday, right? Or, which is a lot, yeah. which is a lot for him. Um, yeah. So far, so that's an encouraging sign. Uh, but yeah, the slider and the curveball use is pretty much equal now. Uh, curveball's at twenty three point two percent, slider's at twenty two point one. So yeah, he's get he's throwing the fastball. He's locating. Um, you know, the strikeouts haven't quite been there yet. Um, 38 strikeouts and 48 innings. Uh, we thought maybe that would be a little bit closer to one, a one K per nine, but, Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, you know, he's not walking people to 5.2, uh, uh, based on ball percentage, it's 3% 3 lower than league average. So, um, Kikuchi's looked really good the last couple starts. He seems to be settling into his wrote into his uh, routine and all that stuff so it's just it's really exciting to see and um you know i know a lot of people were disappointed by his uh his first i don't know three four starts i never really understood why <laughs> um he was fine um but now you're definitely seeing the ups this is the upside of yusei kikuchi um, yeah and so um is he going to be this good all year no, I mean he'll. The league will adjust, and then he'll have to adjust, and it's just you know it's the way the the season goes. But very encouraging stuff from you, say so. Um, yeah. We'll see if he can continue against the uh, Oakland A's on Monday, I believe. So um, it's really it's really interesting uh, to watch him and his development. So yeah, yeah, it's been huge. And then um, you know looking looking to yesterday's game. Um, not really a whole lot to go off of. Just you know, slow night for for the offense. Jay Hap was was pretty solid. Um, Mariners wild, yeah. And uh, the uh, Mariners offense just couldn't couldn't capitalize um, whatsoever. And you know, obviously you got the injury to D, and then uh, you know whatever happened with Dylan Moore uh, brought us probably one of the Best moments of the season, Edwin Encarnacion at second base. <laughs> best. <laughs> Which, yeah, sure, the best, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm 
<laughs> I'm a big fan of players playing out of position. You know, just yeah, I know. it's funny. It's funny. Uh, they sh- it should have been Vogelbach though, yeah. uh, in my opinion. <laughs> to me, it's a lot less funny when the game's one to nothing. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, still that was that was something. Um, yeah. I myself, I probably would have gone with Tom Murphy out at second and put Narvaez behind the plate. Um, just because Murphy seems like a pretty good athlete, uh, yeah. and no offense to Edwin, but uh, his days of being an excellent athlete are about ten years in the past. So, yeah, yeah, you know he's he's honestly shown some things though. He he isn't as unathletic over there at first as I imagined he would be. He's made a couple of nice plays. Yeah, there's just a big difference between first and second base. Yeah, so. yeah, obviously, so, yeah. Right. Yeah, um, but, but you know, uh, but in just, general, just generally speaking, really been impressed with Edwin overall. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it, the, as for the game last night, it's there isn't a whole lot to go off of. Yeah, if they if they keep it one nothing, and you know, maybe Domingo still hits that home run and they get a tie game, but you know, it, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know. Right. The Domingo, uh, you know, and the Mariners had an opportunity. They had the bases loaded with one out. Um, in what the sixth inning or whatever, and they just, you know, they couldn't get it, it done. First and third, first and third. You first were talking about the, yeah, the Domingo yeah. double. Yeah, yeah, first and third, and you know that's a really tough bullpen, and that's why, you know, when Hap exits the game up one to nothing, it almost feels like game over, uh, yeah. at that point. And so yeah, when you you're going out of Vino, Canley, or however you yeah. pronounce the last name, Britain, yeah. you know, et cetera. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a really good bullpen. <laughs> yeah, and so it's just, when you get those opportunities, you have to take you have to take advantage of it. Um, but overall, I would say uh, also from that game, Mike Leake looked really good, um, which is nice to see because he has been struggling lately. Um, and yeah, he pitched well enough to win that game. And uh, of course, he gets saddled with the loss because, you know, baseball and also win loss records are pretty stupid. Uh, So there's that, but yeah, he pitched pretty well. And uh, honestly, I thought Sadzik threw the ball. Well, Um, some tough luck, you know, Uh, obviously the first ball being hit to Edwin or near Edwin isn't ideal. You're trying to protect that lead. Um, it, It just, and then the, the two RBI hit, that was just such a little fluky. He made a good pitch. And yeah, it's top of the zone. It's top of the uh, zone, jammed him, and he just rolls it down the first baseline past an unathletic Jay Bruce. Um, <laughs> Evan White's playing first base. He makes that play. But, uh, you know, it just, it's one of those things. You're not it, – it's just bat, bat bit luck for you. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, that, that, that type of stuff happens when you put yourself in a situation like that. Those are the type of things that are going to happen. So, um, but overall, yeah, I thought the pitching in this series was really solid, uh, aside from Felix. Um, and I know a lot of people are, oh, it's a AAA lineup, or no, it's not. No, it's not. Is it as good as yeah. the Yankees lineup can be? No. But is it a terrible lineup? No, it's not. Uh, DJ DJ LeMay was really good. They they got Glaber Torres, mm-hmm. uh, Miguel Gary Sanchez, and, yeah, Miguel and Duhar, Even though he's off to a really slow start. Yep. Uh, it's still a dangerous, you know, uh, Giovanni Urshela is having a really good year. Yep. Um, yeah, Thyro, it's, it's Estrada, yeah, he's, he's swinging the bat really hot right now. Clint Frazier was a top 10 prospect in baseball. Man, uh, Clint Frazier had a horrible defensive series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did, which means he probably fits in nicely with the Mariners uh, yeah, in I, July. I, so yeah. I don't know yeah. what the Mariners have to trade that they could possibly even get Clint Frazier, but uh Let's just, let's just hope it's something because uh, he just feels destined to be a Mariner. I, I you know back when we were doing our our little GM sum uh, with the fan sided crew, uh, you know I was big on us trying to acquire Clint Frazier, <laughs> and uh, yeah man he, he with that defense he would fit in perfectly. Just <laughs> wow what a what an awful 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 <laughs> awful series for him defensively. This is yes, quite unfortunate, but. Uh... Uh, He'll bounce back. He's pretty good. Um, so, so yeah, uh, you know, like I said, it, w- it would have been nice to uh, split that series. You had an opportunity to win the series even. Um, you just couldn't get it done. Um, the bullpen was just better than yours. Yeah. and I mean, that's that's to be expected. But, 
Like I said, the Mariners easily could have won three out of those four. They have to win, settle for one out of the four. And they had to Boston at 500, so. Yeah. Yep. But um, so, could have been worse, I guess. But could have been uh, better. Yeah, could have been better. And, yeah, you know, especially when you consider, you know, the loss of D Gordon now yep. and all of that. So, yeah, a two and five road trip to start that you could easily be five and two. Um, and <coughs> them's the breaks, I guess. You know, that's just the kind of the way it works. So, uh, yep. when, when your, things aren't going well for you in baseball, they tend to really uh, pile on. So, um, those are the breaks. But uh, as you mentioned before, um, D. Gordon had to lead this game early. He got hit, um, which looks like right square on the wrist, uh, square on the wrist bone on the side there, um, whatever that's called. Uh, he was in obvious pain. He leads the game. I, I'm i not a doctor. I don't want to speculate, but I'm going to assume something is fractured or broken there. Um, yeah, because when, when Nodine was um, testing his wrist out, he was asking him questions and he was saying no. And I'm pretty sure he was asking him if he could feel it. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I'm pretty sure something's broken in there. Yeah. Which it's, sucks. It's really unfortunate. Right. It's just, it's not good. And D was swinging the bat pretty well um, thus far. Very similar to last year where he's swinging the bat pretty well. And then he heads to the DL and hopefully unlike last year, he can come back and continue to hit and uh, perform, but uh, he's going to be out for a while. Uh, we would assume um, also, we found out last night that Dylan Moore's wrist was so bad that he couldn't swing the bat in his plate appearance, so they had to take him out of that game. Um, that's why uh, he couldn't. That's why they had to hit Jay Bruce. Um, Which wrist is it? Do you know? I, I don't. Um, I'm going to assume bottom wrist. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just. I he, he couldn't. He can't swing the bat. Um, so it sounds like he was pretty iffy about whether or not he was going to make a DL trip anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyways, well, long story short, it sounds like both players are headed to the IL. I should, I'm still saying TL. Uh, sounds like both players are headed to the IL, which means they need replacements. And as it just so happens, the Tacoma Rainiers have two um, highly touted prospects uh, on their roster that are also happen to be on the 40 man roster and also happen to be on a plane headed to Boston for some mysterious reason. And that of course <laughs> is uh, JP Crawford and Shedrick long. Um, again, love that name. Uh, so mm-hmm. it appears that they will be called up to take the spots of Dylan Moore and uh, D Gordon. So let's start with, let's start with JP Crawford Um Obviously acquired in the uh, Gene Segura trade, he was the big prize there. Uh, what what are Mar- what should Mariner fans be expecting from uh, JP Crawford? Give us a little scouting report on him. Yeah, Crawford's uh, been hitting really well in Tacoma. Um, he, he needed more time. Just you know, has has struggled in his limited time in the at the uh, MLB level thus far. But it's like I said, it's been limited. He's been hurt um, at the major league level. Uh, just really hasn't gotten, just never got consistent playing time when he was with Philadelphia. Um, but went to Tacoma. He's been swinging a hot bat right now. Um, right now, uh, in uh, in hold on, thirty-one games. Uh, he slashed three nineteen, four twenty, four fifty-seven with three home runs and fifteen RBIs and three steals. Uh, he's, you know, the the hope is that he's going to hit for you. Um, defensively, he's not fantastic um he's had his struggles especially uh when he reached the uh, major league level uh back in philadelphia um so the jury's still out there on what he can do defensively he is very athletic um so you would assume that that will at least play uh but yeah it's um considering that crawford has only nine career games worth of experience, five at the major league level at second base. It's probably, he's probably going to go to shortstop and Tim Beckham will play second base. I would assume. Is that, is that what you're thinking as well, Colby? Um, I don't know. It, you would think, at least I would think that if you're going to call up these guys, as opposed to, you know, Christopher Negron or, uh, Tim Lopes, one of those guys, 
Um, you would assume that they would need to be in the lineup every day, uh, pretty much. But uh, based on how they treated Daniel Vogel back at the beginning of the year and how they've treated Braden Bishop, I don't know if either of them are going to start. Uh, but assuming um, assuming they do, yeah, I think Crawford is the shortstop, and then um, Beckham or Long will play second. Beckham can also play third. Uh, so you do. I think essentially what happens is is that Beckham becomes the utility guy. Um, but one who plays more or less every day. Um, I don't think you're going to see a huge drop off in his playing time um, over the next couple weeks or whatever. So yeah. Um, well, yeah. if 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 Moore and Gordon are heading to the to the IL, um, one of these guys has to start. They just don't have another middle infielder that's going that can play short or second base. So you got to assume that on a nightly basis, at least one of Shed or uh, Crawford is going to play. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously it's got service, so we'll see. Uh, right. But, but, uh, you know, you might see Ryan Healy at second base for some reason, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, as for Crawford, yeah, you, you know, the hope is he, he's going to hit for you and play passable enough defense. Now, as for Shed Long, uh, this is of course his major league debut. Um, He's been hitting really well in Tacoma. That's his first appearance in Tacoma or in, in AAA uh, in general. 32 games, slashing 276, 350, 504 with five home runs and 21 RBIs. He had a game-winning Grand Slam a couple nights ago. He had another home run last night. Uh, so he's hot right now. And uh, the Mariners have been playing him pretty much uh, in, you know, in a bunch of different places. Uh, second base, third base, uh, and left field. He's gotten most of his play time right now at third base. So it is possible that he could uh, play some third base uh, and Beckham plays second. Uh, we'll see what they do there with that. Um, but you know how I feel about this right now is if if Shed Long comes up and he and he plays well enough uh, for the Mariners, Dylan Moore has probably played his last game in in, in Seattle until September. Um, I just you know just looking at, at you know what Long can give you and the flexibility he can give you. He's not you know he, he's still adjusting. He's a converted catcher. He adjusted to to uh, to a middle infield spot back in 2015. And he's struggled, but he has the arm um, and the athleticism to make it work. And I'm sure, you know, it, it's not going to be pretty, but he's made um, a vast improvement over the last couple of years, especially. And uh, from what I've heard, he's he's looked pretty, pretty solid everywhere he's played thus far. Um, so, yeah, so Long's going to give you, uh, um, you know, uh, hopefully... Uh, average to above average offense and hopefully passable defense um at at least three positions so uh that's pretty 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 exciting um especially considering you know he was our seventh overall prospect in our in our top mariners rankings uh so it's uh it's really really fun Right. Um, JP Crawford we did not rank uh because technically he is no longer a prospect um, but mm-hmm. by all, you know, realistic circumstances, he is a prospect. Um, and had we ranked him, he would have been top five pretty easily, um, maybe even top three. Uh, so, yep. uh, yeah, it's an exciting time. Uh, Crawford is interesting because um, it was just two years ago. Crawford was viewed as a uh, as a potential gold glove shortstop. Uh, he yeah. has, he still has, he has a plus arm. He was really good. He's really good feet. Um, and in 2017, he came up and the Phillies moved him to, I mean, they played him at third, they played him at short, they played him at second. And he was really good at all those spots. Um, last year it was a step back and nobody's really quite sure why. Um, but he was below average last year. Um, so It'll be interesting to see what J.P. Crawford is because, you know, it's easy to look at a stat line at AAA and say, okay, well, that that's good. Um, but, you know, defense is critical, especially at shortstop. Um, and Crawford somehow in one year went from one of the best defensive prospects in, base, in, in at shortstop uh, in baseball to below average. I don't – I mean, why? That, that just doesn't happen um, for no reason. 
And that can be attributed to, you know, the injuries he was right. dealing with. He wasn't getting consistent playing time in general. Right. Uh, kind of kind of a Braden Bishop situation. When he was with Philadelphia, they were playing him twice a week at right. most. Just if you look at his game log, it really it's really spread out. Um, you know, and he only got uh, 60 games uh, worth of, uh, of experience at shortstop last year across AAA and the MLB. So that's really in the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a whole lot. That's, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to be comfortable as a player if you're only playing so many, so right. many days. So that can possibly be attributed to that he was dealing with, with some injuries and stuff. So, um, you know, so far in, uh, in Tacoma, he's been, a bit better. He does have four errors, um, but from what I've seen, from the little bits that I've seen, and from what I've heard, it's it's he's improved uh, from last year at least, and seems to be on a better track. Right. I I think it's hard to imagine that he would be any worse than Gene Segura, right. um, and Segura is a you know pretty much league average shortstop uh, defensively. Um, and that's, that's all you really need. Uh, I mean, Tim Beckham's below league average by far. Uh, so it's an upgrade right there. Um, we'll see if he can hit, I've, I've always kind of viewed Crawford as, or since the Mariners have acquired him, at least I've kind of viewed him as pretty much average tools across the board. Um, the arm is a little bit above average. It's, it may be borderline plus, um, he's got the pop, he's got a good eye at the plate. I just think he's pretty much a 50 grade guy across the board with the exception of an arm his arm might be a 60 maybe his power is a 45 um but you know and while that doesn't sound all that exciting at uh, at shortstop at the big league level if you have a player with no weaknesses and you have him for the next five years at dirt cheap it's a really valuable piece um so uh yeah Crawford going to come up we've we've seen uh we've seen power from him um in his career uh he hits line drives um, good approach, good on base percentage guy. At the very least, he should give you, um, you know, a solid on base percentage at the big league yeah, level. He's, he's going to walk. He's going to yeah. walk wherever he goes. Yep, he's going to walk. Hopefully, he cuts down on strikeouts a little bit. Um, said the minor league track record's pretty good in that front. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I I'm excited to see him. Uh, I think you know, there's a chance that if he plays well, he's not going back to Tacoma again. Um, even when D comes back, um, as for shed long, you know, obviously we saw the power, uh, this spring training, um, quite a few impressive, uh, shots from him. The, the guy's going to hit, he'll probably hit 260, you know, um, you know, 330, 340 on base, maybe a 450 slugging. Uh, he's a really good athlete. Like you mentioned, he runs well, not a base dealer, but he's a really, uh, he's really, he's fast. Um, probably the second or, or probably the maybe the fastest guy on the team now that D's out and Malix isn't up. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, we'll see how, how long sheds up. If Dylan Moore only needs 10 days on the IL, I could see shed going down only because, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, I think it really just depends on what kind of value he gives you defensively. If he can play a decent enough left field and uh, be serviceable at third base, I think he, I think he stays up. Right. Well, if again, if JP Crawford stays up, then Tim Beckham becomes your second base, your utility guy um, until D's back. And the utility guy who plays second three or four days a week, plays shortstop one day a week, plays mm-hmm. third base a day a week, um, shed long. So it, it could work that way um, for sure. But um, if if uh, it comes down to if Crawford for some reason gets sent down or whatever, um, then and Dylan Moore is ready to go, then Dylan Moore will stay up over shed long because shed he can't play shortstop. Um, yeah. I mean, he could stand there. And if something's hit to him, he'll probably make a play on it. But that's that's not a good quality for a shortstop. So right. Um, yeah. But yeah, if Crawford and Beckham are both, you know, if they're both doing fine when D and Moore are ready to come back up, then yeah, uh, you could you could see Moore get sent down because uh, Beckham's the utility guy, and you have two two guys who can play shortstop, and you don't 
really have a need for Dylan Moore at that point. So it's possible. Yeah. Uh, Shed's, I think Shed's uh, length of stay uh, is pretty much directly proportional to Crawford. If Crawford can stay up, then Shed can stay up. If they have to send Crawford down, then Shed Long doesn't really make any sense for you right now because you, you need somebody who can play shortstop. Um, right. And that, that's not Shed, but we'll see. I, I'm excited to see. I'm, I'm going to guess that tonight we'll see them both in the lineup, if, assuming they you know travel goes okay and all that stuff. Um, because Edwin Encarnacion is also kind of dealing with a little bit of a wrist thing. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a seat tonight. Um, Healy goes to first, Beckham plays third, and you have Long and Crawford up the middle. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how all that plays out. Um, but it's, yeah, it's exciting anytime these guys come up. Hopefully we start to see Braden Bishop more. There's a lefty on the mound today. Um, so you would assume he would start. Um, but yeah, we're kind of starting to see the Mariners kind of starting to transition to this younger. We've seen Justice Sheffield now. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. It, it's it's going to be exciting. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Crawford and Sheth Long, and I hope they both play um, at least two of these games um, each. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see exactly where Shed plays. Um, yeah. Will he play at third and give you know uh, Healy a little bit of breather? You know, is Healy still dealing with um, with those uh, issues that he experienced in Cleveland, or uh, you know maybe Shed goes out in the left field? Um, it's a you know this is a uh, being a Fidway gives you a, a solid opportunity to let him kind of go out there and just get a feel for things um if you want to do that so um yeah there's a there's a bunch of things that you can do here with with either one of these players so that's that's really exciting um it's a huge you know i i say this every time that one of these guys get, gets called up for the team it's a huge step for the organization mm-hmm. um just towards the future and everything because you know these are the, these are the guys that they're banking on now. Um, especially JP Crawford is a huge, huge one for them. Um, you know this is a guy that they they traded, you know, basically traded uh, Gene Segura straight up for because you know Nicasio and Pazos haven't been anything. Pazos got DFA'd, right? So yeah. um, and Nicasio has been horrid. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it's basically you know it was basically Segura for Crawford straight up, and you know that's. That was quite the controversial deal, but you know Crawford comes up and plays. No one's going to be complaining at that point. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a huge it's a huge huge step forward for for the organization um, and and the future of the organization. Uh, so it's we'll see. You know, this is just this is a you know it's it's time. Let's go. Yep. A uh, nice thing is, is that they both actually performed at AAA. You didn't have to call them up out of, yeah. you know, just lack of options. Um, because if they weren't you know, performing, I imagine that Christopher Negron would be the one on the plane right now. Um, yeah. So, and you know, Crawford, Crawford's had his best year thus far um, at AAA. Really, honestly, you know, at the plate, even across AA and AAA in his past, he's never been, you know. He's never jumped off the page really often with his numbers offensively. This year, he you know his slash line is pretty fantastic. Um, he's hitting for average. He's getting on base, uh, uh, you know, above four hundred. Um, you know, and you know he had a fifteen game hitting streak that he was carrying through the through the middle of April and everything. That's it's it. We've seen um, a huge leap in production from Crawford and hopefully that momentum is uh is carried over um to uh to the MLB. Uh and if so that's that's great. Yeah. You know, for whatever it's worth, Crawford did say the other day he's in the best mental state of his career. Um and sometimes it just takes that that change of scenery, man. That pressure that you have in Philadelphia being a first round pick and, you know, top ten prospect in baseball for a couple years and then you're Nope, you struggle a little bit went right out of the gate and people are booing you, especially Philly, man. Those guys are jerks. Um, 
yeah. they're just yeah. booing you and, merc- and it, they, all these expectations are heaped on you. Sometimes it just takes, you know, hey, let's let's get him out of here. Let's, you know, let's let's try something new. And so hopefully that's that's what it is with uh, Crawford because the guy is still super talented, um, really good at. And he's only twenty four. You know, people are writing this guy off. He's twenty four years old. He's going to be twenty four all year. Like his birthday is was in January. He's twenty four year old young kid trying to get you know stable, trying to get himself stabilized in Major League Baseball. Cut him, cut him some slack, man. Um, yeah. So we'll see how all that goes. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, you know they get to make their debuts. At least it appears they will at Fenway Park uh, because the Mariners are taking on the Boston Red Sox in a three game series. This will be the last time they see Boston. Um, and since the last time we, uh, we met the Red Sox, things have changed drastically, um, <laughs> because Boston, uh, has won eight of their last 10 while the Mariners have pretty much been the worst team in baseball over the last three weeks, um, record wise at least. So, uh, yeah, things are not what they were at the beginning of the year. Um, that is for certain, uh, pitching matchups tonight. We have Eric Swanson, another Potential piece of the Mariners' future. He is going up against Eduardo uh, Rodriguez. Um, so Swanson gets his first start against the Red Sox in Fenway Park uh, tonight. And Swanson's been good for the most part. The one bad start against uh, Chicago. Um, but, you know, pretty solid, pretty solid effort so far from Swanson. Um, and, uh, you know, Rodriguez is, he's thrown the ball much better lately, but, uh, the Mariners did touch him up pretty good at, uh, T-Mobile earlier this year. So that's an interesting matchup as well. Um, that is a, uh, four o'clock start time, uh, our, uh, Pacific time on Saturday. It is going to be, um, wait, did I, did I get that mixed up? I'm sorry. Yeah, I- I feel like it should be Swanson tonight. Yeah, and then it yeah, should be Felix then it's tomorrow. Felix and Porcello tomorrow. Okay, good. Yeah. I was I was trying to do that off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, so yeah, uh, Swanson and or sorry, uh, Swanson and Rodriguez tonight. Tomorrow's game is Felix versus Porcello. Uh, again, the Mariners did rough up Porcello pretty good in his first outing of the year against Seattle, um, but he is pitching much better lately. And Felix Hernandez, uh, well. <laughs> um, his Coming off of three, his worst start of the year. Yeah. Yeah, his last three starts have gotten progressively worse. And Fenway, not exactly the best place to get back on track, uh, especially against that lineup. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Porcello, uh, you know, he's not filthy nasty. Uh, so he's a guy maybe the Mariners can touch up a little bit. But uh, that'll be an interesting matchup right there. And then uh, Sunday's game, I don't believe Boston has announced a starter yet that – I believe yeah. was going to be David Price's spot, but he is on the DL. Uh, so the Mariners do they still have. Uh, do they still have Stephen Wright or whatever the the knuckleballer? I, I don't think so. Or I think he's suspended again or something. You know, it's, it's probably going to be Brian Johnson who just owns the Mariners for some reason. Uh. Uh, but uh, whoever it is, uh, they will be opposed uh, by Marco Gonzalez, who is coming off a great start in Yankee Stadium himself. So uh, interesting pitching matchups there. Um, on paper, they would certainly seem to favor Boston. Um, but we'll see. I, I kind of, is there a matchup there, Ty? And I guess we really only have the two to discuss um, that uh, you're most interested to see. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest one is Swanson, uh, especially with, you know, uh, what's going to happen when LeBlanc comes back and everything. I think, um, you know, if Swanson has uh, a poor start, in uh, in Boston, that might make the decision a little bit easier to send him down and maybe you know have him work on some things in Tacoma. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Fenway is a really weird ballpark uh, to pitch in. You know, you can get blown up and honestly have pretty decent stuff while while doing it. Um, so that that's going to be a big one, especially if he can't locate the fastball above the belt like he wants to. Um, there's going to be problems for him. This is, you know, still a really dangerous lineup. You know, the, the Red Sox obviously have have struggled to start the season. You know, and they're they're starting to figure things out and are uh, getting hot at a at a very inopportune time for the Mariners' sake. Um, right. But uh, you know, it's I I think that's I think that's the biggest one. 
Um, you know, and seeing how the Mariners handle Porcello now that he's figured things out. Uh, how does that offense fare against him the second time around? Uh, they, you know, bodied him <laughs> the first time they saw him. Uh, but pretty much every team was doing that to Porcello through his first uh, few starts. So, right. uh, you know, we'll we'll see how that how that goes. Uh, I just want another Tim Beckham bat flip against this team. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, that'd be pretty fun. But yeah, you know, the, Fenway's been a been a tough place uh, to play in for the Mariners just historically. Um, they've had some pretty pretty strange games there. Uh, I don't I don't think it was last year, but the year before they they were up like twelve to five and then blew it or something. I, I don't remember something like that. And it seemed like they were well on their way for a blowout win. And then, you know, Fenway magic basically comes to into play. And then, you know, so I'm sure there's going to be at least one really high scoring game. Uh, maybe one where, you know, both teams reach double digits. Uh, that just seems to happen usually every, you know, once every ser- uh, every year that the Mariners come uh, to Fenway. And, but, uh, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. It would be huge if the Mariners can can escape out of here above 500. Um, you know, uh, preferably at you know 20, 20, uh, 20, 22 and 21 um, instead of you know 21 and 22 or 20 and 23. That would not be uh, great to head home like that. <laughs> um, you know, want to try to try to uh, even out the uh, the road trip and get to five and five on uh on the road um you know at least at least split it but we'll we'll see it's you know it's a tough one um like i said the red sox are, are have finally figured things out mitch moreland's been great for them uh obviously you know they got mookie and um uh, you know michael uh the the one guy we haven't seen is michael chavis or chavis or yeah uh, uh and he's been fantastic for them um so far and so. attendee martinez yeah Jackie Bradley Jr. made an incredible catch the other day. Yeah, um, he can fantastic. he can still play defense. Um, hit, eh, yeah, not so much. But uh, yeah, we'll he, he yeah, we'll see. <laughs> now he will go uh, nine for twelve in the series with three home runs. Um, yeah. But but uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting series. Um, you know, it's the last time the Mariners will see Boston all year. Uh, so hopefully they can, uh, you know, they got three out of four against them in, uh, in, in March. Um, so hopefully they can, uh, they can find a way to win this series too and, uh, get back to, uh, get back to Seattle where they face Oakland, who is actually struggling a little bit. So, um, yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, like I said, I'm not overly optimistic, but, uh, it's baseball. Strange things happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. So um, ordinarily, we uh, we would wrap up the podcast right now, um, but we did get one question a few days ago, a couple, I don't know, 30 minutes after we stopped recording, um, and I like the question, so we're going to just do it right now, and, uh, and then we'll get out of here, guys. So uh, this is, uh, got this question from Ryan on Twitter. Um, he wants to know, uh, how long before the Mariners start trading their players? So many means veterans. Um, and besides the obvious names, do you think there'll be any surprises? Um, so Ty, let's start with the first part. Uh, when do you think the Mariners start to uh, cut bait on some of their veterans? Uh, once, once the league starts buying is basically, you know, it's, that's kind of the, the obvious answer, but it's, um, I think sometime in June or maybe late May uh, is when teams start to look to add, um, especially if they you know jump out to a hot hot start or they get out to an unexpected start and um, you know think that they can add a couple pieces to to maybe you know uh, better their their uh, their outlook. Um, you know, it, it it really it really just depends on what goes on around the league, and you know maybe needs that open up. You know, maybe a team loses their shortstop, and now they can use Tim Beckham. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe a team's looking for a new DH or just you know some sort of power uh, bat. You know, so that could be Jay Bruce or or Edwin Encarnacion or something. But yeah, it really depends on just um, what opens up around the league and when teams are are really going to uh, start to look to add and and start going for um, you know playoff contention and and so forth. 
Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how the market reacts this year because this is the first year where they have a uh, a hard deadline of July 31st. Um, there's no more August trades, um, so there's no more waiver trade deadline. So it'll be interesting to see if teams really wait until the last minute to try and decide whether they're in or not, or whether they maybe we start seeing trades earlier because teams know that they you know they want that extra couple of the you know extra couple of weeks of control because they know that they you know, if things don't work out in June, they still have time to trade the guy in July. Um, similar to when the twins uh, traded for and then traded away Jaime Garcia um, a few years ago and still made the playoffs, by the way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that, how the market reacts to that. I know a lot of people seem to think that it may actually, you know, increase the number of trades in June. Um, I don't know. I, like I said, I wait and see how the market reacts to that. Um, but I think the answer of, uh, you know, as soon as the, uh, as soon as the, as soon as the market wants to engage, uh, DePoto will start making moves. I don't think, you know, I don't think Edwin Encarnacion is on this team because the Mariners have received a good offer and they just don't want to move them yet. Um, so I, I think it's all about waiting for the right opportunity. And if it comes tomorrow, they'll make the trade tomorrow. And if it doesn't come until July, they'll wait till July um, you know, they have very few pieces that they absolutely have to trade, um, or get nothing for. Uh, one of them is, uh, Incarnacion. Um, the other one is Swarzak, who you might not get anything for anyways, but everybody, pretty much everybody besides that has at least an additional year of control. Um, so you can wait till winter or even next year to trade some guys like Beckham or, um, Bruce, you know, uh, whoever it is they they have some control there so they don't have to make any moves right now um but yeah i I would say i would guess like a hard date i would guess after the draft maybe um you know june 10th somewhere around there um i think by then you'll see teams start to kind of you know hey we we need to add this let's let's go get a guy now so we can have him for a couple more weeks um so yeah I, i i think the real answer is you know, anytime when the market is ready to come to the Mariners, that's when they'll start trading guys. Um, but if you want a, a date, I don't know, June 12th. So uh, <laughs> there you go. June 12th. Exactly. Mark it down. Um, and then uh, for the second part of the questions, besides the obvious names, do you think there'll be any surprises? Um, yeah, I have one. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to say Ryan Healy. Um, because, you know, as, as fans of the team, we, we watch Ryan all the time and see that he's not very good, <laughs> but on paper, I mean, he, on paper, his numbers are not terrible. Um, you know, he, he obviously he's, he has like 50 million extra base hits <laughs> this year. Uh, it seems that he's kind of, he's kind of like, uh, uh, Joey Gallo, but unathletic. um in that sense that he just hits dingers and not a whole lot of singles uh dingers and doubles uh but yeah i um yeah i mean uh, you know the mariners are probably going to come to a point where they'll have to send them down uh at least we think when uh when kyle seager comes back um and they'll they'll at least have to consider that uh decision but um I don't know. You know, there was interest from the from the Royals during the off season. Um, there might be interest from you know a couple more teams now. Um, it just really depends on you know again what a team need, what do teams need, and you know will there be injuries that open up some spots? But I think Ryan Healy is a guy that has played himself into some sort of trade value, and I think if uh, if an offer is made to the Mariners that they that they like, and you know maybe they get a reliever out of it or something that they like, uh, I think they I think they would make that deal. Sure. Um, as for surprising names, um, I I think one possibility uh, that may get discussed later this summer is Omar Narvaez. Uh, the guy's 26, 27 years old. He's not a great defensive catcher, um, but he can really hit. He's a great offensive catcher. And catching is so hard to find, particularly in season, um, that if you have a catcher with any skill 
on the market, let alone one who's 26 with four years of club control. Um, you know, I think that's going to have some value. So uh, I don't think the Mariners would trade Narvaez unless they got a great deal. But, uh, you know, if he continues to hit um, on the same pace he is right now and July rolls around, there's going to be teams that are going to overlook the defense a little bit um, because he still he still provides you value um, at the catching position. And catching is just so hard to find. How many teams have a set, you know, hey, we're good. We don't need to add a, a – good catcher we don't we don't you know, we don't want a good catcher you know and i mean you know and and, I, and to to your point about you know the value of catchers mid-season and at the deadline and everything you know a couple of years back the the cubs um got uh justin wilson and and uh and alex avila and they had to to trade uh, uh candelario um so you know if uh that that that's significant value that you can get back. Um, obviously, you know Wilson was a big part of that deal, but still, uh, Narvaez with the way that he's performing, and like you said, you know any catcher with any sort of skill is going to have value, uh, especially at that time, massive value, um, more value than they would ever have in the winter. Uh, so that's yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty big name. Yeah. One other name I would throw out there as maybe as a bit of a surprise to some people, um, or really it's a group of names, it's Connor Sadzik or Brandon Brennan. Um, yeah. You know, both guys have six years of club control. They both throw hard. They're both throwing the ball well right now. Um, and, yeah, you know, they're both relievers, and they're both in their older 20s, so they're not young guys. Um, and that just doesn't hold a lot of value to you as the Mariners right now. Um, it's fun to watch those guys pitch, but Jerry DePoto has found them. Um, he's found guys like them. It's the strength of this, of this regime, this front office right now is finding really good bullpen arms where nobody else sees value. Um, Mm -hmm. so if you can get any kind of prospect that you can get anybody who has a 10%, 20% chance of being an everyday player, you probably make that trade. Um, and it's, you know, it, I think it would be surprising because they're both controllable and they're cheap and they're pretty good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what good does a really solid bullpen arm do you if you're not going to compete for another two years or whatever? Um, so, yeah, and, you know, like, like we mentioned, there's plenty of arms in the bull, in the uh, minor leagues that are really interesting as bullpen arms. Um, we're going to see a lot of them. Uh, and DePoto is always acquiring a bullpen arm here or there. So trading away a Sadzik when you have – Austin Adams coming up or trading away a, you know, a, a Brennan when you have, you know, Dan Altavilla still, or you have, you know, um, you have White Mills or Matt Festa or uh, any of them really. It's just, it's, it's not that big of a deal. So if you can trade away one of those relievers for anything that might, it, you probably, if you can get a, like a fourth outfielder with one plus skill, you probably make that trade too. Um, mm-hmm. just because those guys have a better chance of helping you. Um, so yeah, I would say Brennan, uh, particular would probably be the name that surprised most people, but if you can get something for him, if he's one of the better relievers on the market in July, then yeah, you should absolutely look into doing that. So, um, Brennan, Sadzik and Narvaez would be three names that, you know, might be surprising, but could make some sense to trade. So. Well, yeah, and you know, and a lot of the teams that we expect to contend, not just for the postseason, but also for a World Series, are struggling to um, find consistent bullpen production right now. So you got to assume that that market is going to be very busy um, moving forward if those struggles continue. And you know, guys like Kirby Yates and Felipe Vasquez and and those that you would expect might land on the market they're going to be too expensive for some of these teams. So they might, you know, come around to, to the Mariners and check in on a Brandon Brennan or a Connor Zadzik, or, you know, even we talked about this on, on Wednesday, you know, Zach Roskop, um, mm-hmm. left-handed, left-handed relievers are a dime a dozen. Uh, his, his K per nine is, is pretty high. You know, he strikes out uh, a ton of guys and, and seems to consistently get outs, even though that really neither one of us feel ever feel comfortable when he comes in. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of a guy that, you know, teams may look at Corey Guerin, if he continues to, um, you know, work back from his early season struggles, 
Uh, that could be another guy that, that teams look at. Uh, if Hunter if Hunter Strickland comes back by the start of June and he pitches pretty well up in, into July, that could be another name that, that teams look at. Um, so that's going to be a really interesting market to see with relievers in the past. Uh, the relief market on uh, in uh, in the trade market has been uh, really uh, rich. Uh, it's been uh, extremely beneficial for teams that are selling their relievers. Um, you know, you look at uh, the Padres trading Brad Hand, getting Francisco Mejia, even though Mejia hasn't really been that great uh, since showing up to San Diego. But still, that's you know, th- those are the kind of prospects that you're seeing getting moved for these relievers, and obviously that those are top end relievers, and you're not going to be able to get that for Sadzik or Brennan. But still, the price um, is high on on relievers everywhere. Uh, so if you get a deal or if you get an offer. Um, that you like for Brennan or Sadzik, there's no point in carrying them for the next couple of years until you're um, competing because, you know, like I said, you know, they've, they've built a, um, a strong foundation for their bullpen, but they have plenty of guys waiting um, down in triple a double a, et cetera, you know, with art Warren, uh, Gerson Bautista, um, Matt Festa, et cetera. Those guys are, are, pretty close to to reach in the majors and they all have um really interesting stuff that you can work with yeah um really at the end of the day the mariners shouldn't be um shouldn't be close-minded to any trade opportunity that comes to them and that means the team wants marco gonzalez they should listen um if they want you know mitch hanniger they should listen um they should listen on anybody, including guys like you say Kikuchi or any anybody like that. Uh, they should be listening now. Um, do I think they'll trade Marco and Mitch or anything like that? No, I don't. Um, but they, if they were on the market in June and July, they would be two of the best players on the market. So um, to not listen to offers, to not engage in those talks, uh, would not, would be Jerry not doing his job as the general manager. So. Um, you know, ultimately, you don't lose anything from listening and talking, um, and maybe you gain some knowledge that you didn't previous previously have, and that could be used down the line. So, um, yeah, don't be surprised if you hear any stories about, oh, well, you know, the Brewers called on called the Mariners to ask about Marco, or they called to ask about you know Brennan, or hey, the Braves are still interested in Haniger. Um, they've put out feelers again to reopen talks, you know, those type of things, you're going to probably see those headlines um, because the Mariners figure to be one of, if not the most active team teams uh, in July. Um, so just, you know, just be cognizant of all that. Um, rumors don't really equal news. Uh, we'll dissect rumors as they come, obviously. Um, we'll talk about them, but, you know, saying a guy, the Mariners have talked to, you know, the giants about Marco or whatever. That's not saying that the Mariners are going to trade Marco to the giants. So just, just be careful. We're getting close to that time of year where we'll start to see headlines like that. Just relax. We'll talk about all the headlines that we see and all the rumors and all that stuff. But uh, just remember more often than not, that's, it just doesn't come to fruition. So uh, just be careful this time of year. All right. Um, I think that's going to wrap up our podcast. Ty, you have anything you want to add before we sign off? Uh, I mean, it's just, it's a really exciting night, you know, and, and I'm, I, I'm very hopeful that we get to see, um, shed long JP Crawford and brand, uh, Braden Bishop start tonight, uh, along with, you know, Daniel Vogelback, who knows, um, that would be really, really fun. Um, especially with Swanson on the mound, it's, it's going to be a, uh, it, it has the potential to be a night full of, um, future Mariners, um, so it's yeah it's this is what i was looking forward to uh before the season started and we're kind of here way, you know a little bit earlier than i expected but let's do this thing man it's, it's gonna be fun yeah it'll be awesome so uh make sure you guys uh subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any new episodes we record uh three a week um usually and uh, so make sure you guys subscribe so you don't miss any of that good stuff. Also, uh, make sure you guys visit the website, sotomojo.com. That's where we have all of our uh, Mariners writings and musings and things like that. Um, up right now, we have a, uh, we have a uh, 
ranking, power ranking, if you will, of the five Mariners with the highest trade value uh, right now. Uh, subject to change in a couple weeks, by the way. Um, but yeah, be sure to go to sotomojo.com. We also have a little mini write-ups on uh, Shed Long and JP Crawford up from last night as well. So uh, sotomojo.com for all your Mariners content. If you guys want to send us questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, names for segments, whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, the best way to do that is on Twitter at sotomojofs. Um, so make sure you uh, guys do that. If you guys want to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you know we're we're on those we're on those platforms as well. We don't uh, engage as much on those platforms. So again, the best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter at SotomojoFS as well. So uh, from all of us here at SotoMojo.com, uh, thank you guys for listening, and I will see you in another life. Peace. Peace.